Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Last day of discussions on Mackinac Island during the Mackinac Policy Conference. We're going to wrap up with Michigan Speaker of the House, Joe Tate. And then we'll talk with three reporters who have been here covering the conference. Jonathan Osting of Bridge, Michigan, Russ McNamara of WDET, and Rachel Louise Just of WWMT in Kalamazoo. That's all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. We are in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. This is the last day of the conference, and to start the discussion today, we've got somebody who is at the center of a lot of discussions these days, uh, Joe Tate is a state rep from Detroit and is now the Speaker of the House in Lansing, uh, the first Democrat to occupy that post in a long time, certainly part of the Democratic leadership that we now see in every part of the legislature and the governor's office, something that hasn't happened in 40 years here in Michigan. Uh, Joe Tate, it's really great to have you here on Detroit today. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's great to have you up here on Mackinac Island, and I can say as a Detroiter and as an African-American, I, I still get that little tingle like um, the hair stands up a little on the back of my neck when people address you as the Speaker of the House. You are the first African-American uh, Speaker, the first Detroiter in a long time uh, to occupy uh, that seat. I, I start with everybody up here the same way. Tell me what you are hoping to accomplish at the Mackinac Policy Conference. A lot of people ask me back home, why do all these people go up there? They're just hanging out, they're drinking together, or they're, they're just talking. But I, of course, there are lots of things that do get done. Uh, and so I always want the, the folks here to explain to people back home what it is you're hoping, hoping to get done, ho- hoping to accomplish. Absolutely. And again, thank you for having, having me on. So the reasoning uh, for me coming up is, is twofold. One is to walk through what we've been able to do uh, during the first part of this legislative session, which has been uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, ever since voters uh, exercise their power to, to put Democrats in the majority in the legislature and reelect the governor. Uh, we've been moving uh, quite fast because I think that was a mandate uh, from them. So talking about what we've done up to this point, and then from there assessing that what's going to be next uh, for us. In particular, you know, we're still working through the budget, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm confident we will get there in, in terms of a very thoughtful budget that reflects our values and also the needs of Michigan residents. And then also... You know, whether those big ticket items that the legislature and the governor need to address uh, for the rest of of this year um, as we go into 
the summer and into the fall and winter of the the 102nd legislative session. Yeah. So, so let's start with the budget. Um, I always feel like that there's a presumption that the budget is easier if the Senate and the House and the governor all are controlled by the same party. I know better than that, though. I, I could talk to former Governor Rick Snyder about uh, some real real trouble he had getting the legislature to do what he needed to do. Uh, give me a sense as, as Speaker of the House where you see those negotiations standing and how that budget is shaping up to sort of assign priorities in terms of the, the, the policy initiatives that, that Democrats want to see funded. Absolutely. It, it is still a process because we know even from the, the chamber that I represent, we have 110 members mm-hmm. and we have 56 Democrats mm-hmm. within that chamber with with a variety of experiences and priorities um, that they, um, you know, they get feedback from their constituents on. So it's certainly a, um, you know, when you do have partners from mm-hmm. the same party and, you know, Majority Leader Brinks has been a phenomenal partner partner along with Governor Whitmer you've seen uh, quite a bit of overlap in in values but there's always work that needs to be you know um, negotiated and worked out sure. uh, for the final prod- product of of the budget and you know one area of focus for me and for a lot of, of my colleagues um, as well has been around uh, school aid and, and around education. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, being a Detroiter as well, too, um, you know, we want to ensure that we in Lansing are providing the resources necessary and uh, for world-class, world-class education or having educational outcomes um, in the city of Detroit uh, where you can get a great education um, living in a city just mm-hmm. un- and it shouldn't be unlike anywhere else uh you should be able state. to send your kid to the school around the corner and have a reasonable expectation that that's going to go well absolutely so you know that's going to be a focus of effort uh, continue to be a focus of effort for myself and many of my my colleagues in this budget and future budgets as well yeah um so after the budget the, you know, as you said, you guys have gotten a lot of things done in a very short window of time. Somebody said to me that this is the first time in, I think, 60 years that you've gotten this number of things done in any legislative session, let alone in the first four months. But then there's a lot more work to do still. So so give me a quick list of priorities for, for Democrats in the House once we get to the other side of the budget and continuing to build, I guess, on the things that you've already done. Absolutely. So the first five months, as you mentioned, I think it's been the most productive beginning of a legislative session, I think, arguably in Michigan's history. Yes, ever. Um, But like you mentioned, there is still more work to be done. You know, focus of effort uh, for for us in the House and for myself, one is how can we continue the targeted tax relief that we've been doing uh, up to this point? As you know, you know, we've expanded the Working Families Tax Credit, also known as EITC, and we repealed the retirement tax mm-hmm. as well, too, mm-hmm. because we want to put more money into Michigan families' pockets. And I think there's a continuation of that. You saw what the mayor proposed around mm-hmm. the land value taxation uh, piece at the uh, here at the conference. I think that's a, a great continuation 
especially for you know cities like Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, to have that opportunity to reduce that property tax burden and and frankly create more wealth in, in the black community. Yep. That we have to be able to to look at it and view it as as that and reducing that burden and creating wealth in our communities. Yeah. The second is around public safety, and in the House we've introduced. Uh, a couple of my members have introduced uh, what's called public safety trust fund. So to be able to divert uh, dollars to those areas uh, where we see uh, high crime rates that take place. Uh, so certainly, you know, the city of Detroit. Uh, we look at city of Grand Rapids and other areas to make sure that they have their public safety departments have the resources necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether it's neighborhood police officers or mental health services, we need that in, in our communities and those communities that, that, that need it the most. And finally, it's around jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just to, to wrap it up, jobs, jobs, jobs <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. How do we create those jobs uh, especially in our urban communities where you know, we want to make sure that people have opportunities for, for great paying careers uh, so they can raise a family um, on that. So, so the, the land value tax reform is going to require some legislative sign-off. Are you confident that, uh, that that will happen and in a timely manner? I know the city is already preparing to to come and make the case, but uh, what, what's your assessment of all of that? I, I'm very positive and, and confident that we that we can get there um, because we've been having a number of conversations around it. But at, at the end of the day, when we have an opportunity to to reduce the tax burden, um, you know, potentially by a third, yeah, um, for 97 percent. Uh, for from what we've seen from the mayor's proposal, 97 percent of residents can see a reduction in their property tax. Yeah, yeah. That's that would be. I mean, I know we throw this word around. We have transformational. <laughs> it would be transformational yeah. uh, for the for the communities in Detroit as well as other areas that that would see uh, the benefit. Other municipalities across the state, if they would like to opt in. Yeah. So before I have to let you go, I want to talk about uh, leadership and the the new leadership in Lansing and I guess the challenge that you faced and that the, the other leaders face in in just making sure that things can run in in Lansing. I mean, it's been about a decade since since there was a Democrat in charge of the House much longer since someone was in charge of the Senate. And, and there are these, these things that are part of the infrastructure, the apparatus of those chambers uh, that, that you get used to, to manipulating. And if you're in leadership for a long time, it becomes second nature. You walk in and, and have to learn from, from scratch. So give me a sense of how easy that's been, some of the challenges maybe that you've come across. Absolutely, and I can start with 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 the challenges first. Uh, there's never enough time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for and I'm I've been so proud of uh, my caucus members and my colleagues in terms of the work that we've been able to do in such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. and that's a testament, you know, to them wanting to improve the quality of life for their for their constituents. But we know that there's never enough time to get all of the work that we need to get done so we have to be very 
efficient um, with our with our time um, moving moving forward. And secondly, being in this role for for almost uh, six months now, um, it has been a learning experience, (laughs) moving up the learning curve. But I've been standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, you look at, you know, some of some of uh, legislators, especially Detroit legislators that mm-hmm. came before mm-hmm. me and kind of laid the path. You think of the Tommy Stallworths sure. of the world or Buzz Thomas, uh, Mary Waters, um, Fred Durhall. I mean, those they have been a wealth of, of knowledge. They, they've been been able to just willingly share their experiences of being in the legislature. And that's been incredibly helpful for me in terms of how I lead the caucus and, and, and lead the, the House chamber. Yeah. Okay, Joe Tate, Speaker of the House here in the state of Michigan. Always great to see you. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me, Stephen. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have more from the Mackinac Policy Conference on Mackinac Island. You are listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. We are still in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. You know, as quickly as the conference comes together and convenes leaders in business and politics and philanthropy from around the state, it just absolutely dissipates, evaporates, vaporizes on Friday. Friday morning, most people are headed back to where they're from, thinking about all of the conversations they had up here, thinking about the opportunity to approach some of our challenges differently, thinking about maybe a little of the fun that actually unfolds up here each year. The media are a big part of the conference, and I always feel like on this last day, it's sort of our turn to really lean into the questions about what happened here, what it means, and what the opportunities might be when we get back home. So I have convened a roundtable of sorts here of media folks who have covered the conference this year to talk about what we've learned and what we expect when we get back home. Jonathan Osting is a political reporter for Bridge, Michigan. He joins us from time to time to talk about state politics. Jonathan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Uh, Russ McNamara is the host of All Things Considered right here on WDET. You hear him on every day, every weekday from 4 to 6 on WDET. Russ, welcome to the show. I'm not even sure what time it is right now. But, uh, <laughs> Are but, you that tired? Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. And Rachel Louise Just is the statewide political reporter for Channel 3 WWMT-TV, which is based in Kalamazoo. Rachel, welcome back to Detroit I'm Today as well. glad to be here in person for the first time. Yeah, that's right. We, you and I talk on the, ra- on the radio, but we never see each other in person. Um, uh, I want to start with Rachel and Russ, because this was your first Mackinac oh, yeah. policy conference. Um, I'm really curious about your impressions and, of course, the things 
that you think uh, stand out in terms of uh, things that were done, things that were discussed, and what the opportunities are uh, going forward. Rachel, I'll start with you. It, yeah, it's been interesting. It's I've seen it happening now for two years while I've been covering Michigan, and I've heard many people talk about it, and I kind of had a sense of what it could be like. It very much fit into the box I thought it would be, but it's also an interesting place where you are never going to see some of these groups of people together again. You're never going to be bumping into the LG on the ferry over. And that's something that's so unique to this conference. I think it's special. It, in some ways, I almost wish that we could have the public here so that they had the kind of access that we do. But I guess we're kind of the conduits for that in the meantime. Yeah. What were, what were your expectations uh, uh, coming up to the island? And I guess what surprised you maybe about being here? You know, I... I when you, I've never been to a policy conference before, so I did expect to it be a bunch of people who are just nerding out on policy. That's what it was. It is that. <laughs> <laughs> and which is fun to be a part Emphasis of. Emphasis on the nerd part. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I just didn't expect the level of access that we're able to get here and, and be able to have the kind of experiences that we have in terms of running into people in places you never thought you would or being just even consistently seeing people in an environment that you don't normally get to see them in i think that was a cool aspect of it for me yeah yeah uh, russ uh, how was your first mackinac yeah i had several preconceived notions you know i've heard about the conference i've talked with other people in the media about the conference i've talked with politicians about the conference and I, I have to say it lived up to my expectations and then once i'm actually here at the grand hotel i am incredibly charmed by the overall atmosphere. I think the weather kind of helped a little bit this time around, too. Don't but get used to that, by the no, way. It's not no, like this every year. I, I, I'm, I'm from the UP, so it's like, uh, I'm surprised it's not raining right now. Um, it, it was interesting, because you could just walk by somebody and be like, hey, do you have five minutes? And then everybody has five minutes. And so you can just pull them aside, or you can just do a loop and see, okay, that person's talking there, they're available, and then just make a mental note and you know just say hey what's going on and so even some off the record conversations uh you know people are loose people are relaxed it's kind of disappointing as somebody uh in the media is like this is the level of like relaxed conversation that i want when i talk with you not the okay <laughs> like the the posture changes mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. are less loose and it's a little bit disappointing i'm not sure i want the general public up here to kind of see what's going on because uh, I know someone who is, you know, an outsider, uh, and still in many ways am. Uh, it, it, it's kind of weird to see all of these, you know, politicians, business people together, and looking very, very cozy. Very, and, and and that's of course, you know, a lot of their job. And all of these policy people, they're talking together, and uh, it it can be a little bit disconcerting until you, I don't know, it's like getting your sea legs, I guess, and you, you kind of get the flow of it. It's like, all right, it's not quite as shady as it might seem. I yeah, it, it is a, a little, it is a little jarring though. Uh, I, I can remember the first time I was here. You, you see pairings of people having conversations and doing things together that you wouldn't see elsewhere, and mm -hmm. you, I think, uh, tend to make. I, I always made assumptions about who would work with whom and, and who was friends with whom. Right. And when you get up here, uh, all of that gets kind of unmasked in a in a. In a startling way, and and it is refreshing in some ways, but you know people have concerns about uh, conflicts and and being too close uh, across political and business lines, and and you you see some of that too. No, it's kind of funny because you'll see uh, House Minority Leader uh, Matt Hall like 
you know, kind of take a couple of shots in a press conference and then, you know, and then he'll go, you know, talk with somebody that, oh, I, I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, <laughs> friends and having a very smiley conversation. It's like, okay, you know, everybody's got a role to play up here. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, what year is this for you? Oh, gosh, I can't even count. I don't know. It's been like a decade or so, yeah. I think, since I've been coming. Missed yeah. maybe a year or two during uh-huh. the pandemic and uh-huh. so on. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I guess I get a little more I'm, – I'm a little more jaded having been here for a long time. The, the novelty wears off a little bit. But, you know, to their point, I mean, I do – I guess you start to take this stuff for granted. But, I mean, we're looking out through the window to the porch of the Grand Hotel and I remember many years seeing like the late Congressman John Dingle just sitting on the porch with a blanket on his lap, mm-hmm. talking to anybody who would come up to him. And, um, you know, while it does seem a little cozy and to outsiders, you might think like, oh, it's like Davos. You know, this is where <laughs> they, the people are pulling the levers that, the, you know, the, the minions on the mainland are going to have to live under. I mean, actually, I think it's really kind of important for folks to get up here, get away mm-hmm. and have this it's sort of like a off-campus retreat yeah. almost for, for Lansing folks, which is what I cover. Um, and obviously the business community is here too. But to, uh, you know, it's like doing a, doing a ropes course together or something uh, and, and, and uh, you know, building relationships that are important to possibly have some bipartisan work done right. in Lansing. Um, this sort of thing, uh, I think, goes a long way towards that. Yeah. Was there anything this year, Jonathan, that surprised you? Anything that, uh, you know, after a decade of coming, uh, you, you, you didn't expect? No, not no? really. <laughs> he really Played meant it when he said he was jaded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a little bit of news. I guess from, from a newsman's perspective, right, yeah. I've, I've come to sort of lower my expectations about why I'm at Mackinac Island. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm not expecting huge news to happen up here. Uh, but again, to, to Rachel's point, the access. I, I do a lot of interviews. I talk to folks that I, I can talk to in Lansing mm. or, or elsewhere, but I do it all in the matter of two days. And it's, uh, you know, more of a, a laid-back environment that maybe people are a little more open in, having those off-the-record conversations. Um, so I come to expect that, but what I don't expect necessarily is big news anymore. Yeah. So I don't uh, mm. necessarily exhaust myself trying to find that you know I, I go back and forth about the value of big news up here because there are years that there are big problems that all kind of come to a head up here or or get resolved up here and i i talk all the time about that because back home you get a lot of questions about well what do they actually do up there they're just sitting around talking or or, or having fun but uh you know uh, we're approaching uh, one of the anniversaries, I think, of, of GM moving downtown to the Renaissance Center, that deal got cut up here. Uh, the the grand bargain that allowed Detroit to exit uh, the the bankruptcy with, with a softer landing than it would have, that all got worked out uh, up here. Uh, many years, the, the budget was undone before we would get here, and Rick Snyder, the former governor, was really focused on sending people off into the summer with the budget finished. When that happened, it happened here on, on Mackinac. The bridge that we're all watching uh, come out of the ground in southwest Detroit uh, to go to Canada, that got cut up here. I mean, so there are these big years where there's something that we have to get done up on Mackinac, and then there's the years like this where it's, it's not as urgent, and so, uh, so, so people's expectations look, look different. Um, and and it's, hard to, it's hard to predict, I think, you know, what those years will look like. I think uh, what ends up being 
the thing that everyone is talking about or, or thinking about. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what sort of secret meetings happened in sure. Iran yet, what sort of bargains might be percolating, but, um, you know, not hearing uh, wind of anything huge. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but the big sort of focus up here for the governor was these sort of bigger questions that don't have immediate answers, but, you know, the governor's creating a council to study solutions to population growth, yeah. not cutting a deal to somehow address that problem <laughs> right. on the island yeah. uh, this week. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little more, um, you know, not as intensive a year as, as some in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island for the end of the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. Everyone headed home either today or tomorrow after three pretty intense days here on the island talking about the things that challenge us here in Michigan, trying to come up with solutions to some of them. Uh, I've got three guests with me right now. Jonathan Osting is a political reporter with uh, Bridge Michigan. Uh, Rachel Louise Just is the statewide political reporter for WWMT TV in Kalamazoo. And Russ McNamara is WDET's very own host of All Things Considered. Okay, let's get into the meat of the things that we talked about up here on Mackinac. Jonathan, you you referenced uh, the governor's platform that uh, that is so important up here. It's, it's shaped the conference now for more than a decade that Rick Snyder really did lean into the idea that he could get things done up here uh, or set agendas that uh, he couldn't in Lansing. Gretchen Whitmer seems to have picked up that mantle. This idea of how we grow population in Michigan instead of losing it. It's something that we've talked about up here, I feel like, uh, forever. I don't remember uh, a governor stepping forward and saying, this is going to be the pivot point, and I'm going to really lean into this issue going forward with something formal like this council. Jonathan, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, You know, everybody has known this is a problem. We've talked about, you know, talent or we've talked about making place making and things like that that might attract young people. Uh, But the governor is trying to basically take those conversations and maybe turn them into some sort of actual policy recommendations. And I think what she's looking for is a roadmap for her second term, you know, legislating. some of these, they, the Democrats have gone through sort of their, their top priority list of like immediate actions in Lansing, right? Some gun regulations, some um, LGBT uh, anti-discrimination protections, repealing right to work, et cetera. But now there's these huge, large issues. What's next? And so the governor is convening a council to, uh, a bipartisan council, and at least at the top, yeah. um, it's going to be headed by... Um, John uh, businessman John Ricolta and Shirley Stancato, who have worked together on some big and challenging issues in Detroit uh, before, um, you know, uh, and uh, hopefully within six months come out with some sort of a report uh, with recommendations that then the legislature will start to potentially take up as early as next year. And again, I say these are big and difficult questions because it's stuff we've been talking about forever, like infrastructure is part of this you know uh, obviously the governor has tried to fix the darn roads I forget what you can say on public radio whoa 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 Uh, mom the brakes Jonathan (laughs) we know the slogan it's okay yeah so um, you know now I think she's hoping a bipartisan council gives some ideas and and gives some weight so it's not just the governor saying pass my 45 cent gas tax this is a a sort of a, a 
a coalition solution that hopefully people can get on, on board with in her perspective. I'm a little skeptical that, you know, they're going to come up with a, a road funding plan that's going to get, uh, you know, break down the barriers that we've seen for years in terms of tax increases or whatever, but uh, it's an interesting approach. She, she gets to pick the people. It, it, you know, my first thought was, this seems like, okay, we're going to have this report and this will seem like political cover uh, as a way for her to like, hmm. you know, I don't know if she's got her uh, thumb on the scale or anything like that, but she's like, I'm, I'm staying off it. I'm staying off it. This is going to be continuous and other governors after her can take care of it, but right now, She's picked the people, and it just seems like we gotcha. know we got an idea what's going to be in this report, and now, like in six months from now, we'll have an idea of what that's we're going to do. That's a pretty cynical take. Well, that's I'm, definitely I'm, the, I'm that's picking up on Jonathan's uh, jadedness. That's definitely the the immediate reaction from Republican leaders here is along those lines. I mean, even though John Ricolta, like he's a you know he's like a long he's a GOP Re mega donor. I mean, this yeah. guy is former been ambassador of the UAE, uh, ambassador under Donald Trump. Uh, he was a talking point in Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Right. My friend builds plants. He mm -hmm. wants to build them in the U.S. Um, so I mean, he's a he's a real Republican. But the commission, to your point, the council, to your point, the rest of it is going to be picked by Whitmer. Legislative leaders, the Republicans, they were negotiating this for a couple weeks. They wanted, ideally, an equal number of appointments, uh, or at least more than what she had initially offered them, which was two Republican uh, elected officials on, mm -hmm. the, on the council. Uh, what they got was even less than they wanted, <laughs> yeah. which is not there's still two, but Whitmer picks which two. So she can pick two, one Republican from the House, one Republican from the Senate who will be on this council. But she can pick, you know, the moderate uh, Republican uh, mm -hmm. here and there. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, they're they're the pretty upset about the makeup of being of in the majority, right? I mean, that's that's what that's what it means to For sure. have control. It, it does, but I mean, she's obviously trying to position this as a bipartisan council, yeah. and perhaps you know giving them a few more appointments might have been a way to do it. I mean, what, what House Minority Leader Matt Hall proposed was we give you, you know, we get a, a number of seats, but we'll give you a list of names and, and you, you can pick, pick off that. that. Right. So right. sort of like the way the Board of State canvassers work. The, sure. the parties nominate three people. The governor gets to pick which, you know, one she thinks is the least bad. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Rachel, I, I'm really curious about your take on the population growth question because uh, I think of Kalamazoo as something of a bright spot there. I mean, uh, uh, Kalamazoo is, is growing in some really interesting ways, I think. It's, it's counteracting some of the narrative in other places, in other urban places uh, in, in Michigan. Um, what did you make of, of the governor's emphasis on it and, and the things she says she wants to do? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, I've heard it. It's been talked about a lot, as, as we've mentioned. But the focus on it this week is something that it, what I didn't quite expect, you know, that kind of ended up being what almost every single lawmaker I talked to was talking about. Um, I think it's an interesting question because as we've been having these conversations all week, and like I said, everyone's talking about it, no one's really been able to give a great reason why it's happening. I'm hearing a lot of different things. Oh, it's the weather. Oh, it's, you know, the <laughs> roads, things like that. There's a lot of states that have bad roads. There are states that have way worse weather than we do. They're not having the same issues that we're having. So I think 
maybe it is in some ways good to have uh, an idea of what exactly is happening and why exactly it's happening. I guess to me, as someone who moved to Michigan recently, I don't quite understand how we're at the point that we're at where we're so far down. Um, It's a great state. I've lived in worse states, you know, so I don't quite understand. (laughs) I will not be specific about which, but... um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, um, and, and maybe we, there does need to be more of a consensus on why it's happening or the many reasons why it's happening. So, so tell us a little more about uh, Kalamazoo and how you are finding Kalamazoo. As I said, I, I feel like it's a place that is uh, growing around the concept of cool, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. A lot more young people seem interested in living in Kalamazoo than they did uh, in the past. What What's your impression of the how how growth looks there and and more on the and and other spots on the western side of the state yeah i think that it does feel it does have a younger sense there um i would also probably kind of tie grand rapids into that as well absolutely um you know as someone who actually lives in lansing when i want to go out for a night with friends i normally go to kalamazoo (laughs) and that's just because it's it's got things that other parts of the state can't offer it does have like a, a university um, they've got cool things like the Kalamazoo Promise, things that have kind of been put in there over the last couple of years and decades that are now we're starting to see the fruits of. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Kalamazoo is doing better. There's a lot more to it, but it is a place where you go out on a Saturday and it does feel like a, a lively city. Not every city in Michigan feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation about the end of the Mackinac Policy Conference with our media roundtable. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit today from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. At the end of the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference, we're talking about the things that happened, the conversations that took place, the plans that were unhatched with uh, the members of the media who are here covering all of this. Jonathan Osting is a political reporter for Bridge Michigan, joins us from time to time to talk about politics. So does Rachel Louise Just, who is a statewide political reporter for WWMT-TV in Kalamazoo. We've also got uh, the esteemed Russ McNamara with us. He is the host of All Things Considered right here on WDET. All right, guys, uh, there is nothing wrong with coming up here and having a good time i have been guilty of that several several years maybe sometimes to excess uh but i want to talk with uh, you guys about things you did that were fun things you saw or experienced that were a good time uh jonathan go first all right well um yeah it was not off the record i saw plenty of people filming it so i will say i stopped <laughs> by the mustang lounge last uh, how did you make it oh. over there yeah oh. and i saw a great bipartisan moment this is the kind of thing that happens on mackin island right brian Kelly, the former lieutenant governor's band was playing mm-hmm. brian Kelly is a keyboard player he's got some other longtime lansing folks that play with him and uh jeremy moss democratic state senator was uh on vocals uh doing a tina turner song um 
<laughs> with some other partners. And uh, it was just a fun moment. A lot of lawmakers <laughs> dancing. I saw Republicans and Democrats there. I didn't stick around too long because it felt a little weird. But uh, <laughs> just saying, that's a pretty yeah. extreme version of bipartisanship. Yeah, I mean, it was fun, though. It was uh, it was really good natured. So yeah, I talked to Brian yesterday and he was telling me that he was doing that. You know, I, I uh, once the, uh, the first time I saw him play up here, I literally was walking by a bar and just happened to look inside. And I was like, I think that's Brian Kelly in there on stage. <laughs> You're thinking, in. how much have I had to drink <laughs> tonight? Like, yeah. What's right. happening? Am I hallucinating? But it was him. So that's a, that's a cool story. Uh, Rachel. What was uh, your fun moment here? I was telling them before we got on air that I went for a little dip um, in the water last night, which was really fun. In the lake? Uh, yeah. I'd been wanting to do it all week <laughs> because it had been pretty warm and I've been carrying gear and I just was like, I just want to be in like really cold water. Wow. And so I made it happen. It was fun. How cold was it? Um, you know, it's one of those things that you get numb if you're in it long enough, which is kind of a, <laughs> a really safety mechanism. Probably. The paramedics yes. were called. I was yeah. going to say, you know, this time of year, I'm not sure it's safe to get in the water in the lakes up here. It's not, it's not warm enough. Anytime after Memorial Day, I think it's, uh, it? you know, it's, it's difficult, but it's allowable. It was a test of my strength and endurance, but I did do it. It was fun. I was only in there for 10 minutes or so. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I've, I've talked to anyone who has swum in the lakes up here. I've talked to some folks who've gotten in the pool here at the Grand, but uh, that's cool. Uh, Russ, what were you up to? Uh, basically, I was excited to meet a whole bunch of people that I've, you know, read and watched for a very long time. Like, I, I talked with, in a previous place of employment I talked with Jonathan you know a few times uh, to get his thoughts because it's always good to have different perspectives you know I've watched mm -hmm. Rachel an awful lot you know and it's just you know like you finally I finally got to meet a whole bunch of people that I've read and like converse with on Twitter and now get to meet them and then you know uh, we raised the wrist a little bit and then uh, had a good time <laughs> I mean uh, there's there's so much talent in uh the Capitol Reporter group and in Detroit, uh, and you know this through Bridge Detroit because uh, there's you know there are some Bridge Detroit folks up here too, yes, and, and a good contingent of them. Yeah, so uh, like getting to meet with them, hang out with them, and uh, that's it's going to sound strange, but you know those those are the people I geek out about, not necessarily <laughs> politicians or athletes. It's like people who can you know spread the word, make sense of all of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. good journalism. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about uh, politics going forward here in Michigan. The budget is still undone. Uh, the governor never suggested that it would get done by Mackinac. That's not one of her kind of uh, pillars. But uh, there is a real, uh, I think, negotiation ahead about what priorities look like and, and how we spend all the money that we're sitting on here in Michigan. I thought I would hear more about budget while we were here. I asked uh, the people that came over to, to give us interviews about it, and people didn't have a whole lot to say. So I wonder, are we headed toward maybe a, a budget, not showdown, because it's one party that controls both houses, but uh, there are a lot of different hands that want um, a say over what happens. Uh, are, we, are we in for a budget deadlock, Rachel? I asked the governor about that. She seemed pretty optimistic we're going to make deadline so that's that's good in the fall 
if, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she did say that we we're going to get it by July 1. Yeah. Or just seemed to think that she thought so. She's not the kind of person who makes stances that she's not pretty sure going to go go through. So I guess that's that's good. But, yeah, it's interesting because we don't know and we haven't seen this one-party Democratic control in so long that no one's really been covering it all the way back when it did last happen. So yeah. um, our memories are short. We don't quite know exactly how it went at that point. And I guess we'll be kind of re, you know, writing history for the first time. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the money, Jonathan, is, is something else that just makes it really different when you have a lot of money it, it can be great because you can do things that you couldn't do without it but there's also just a lot of pressure to spend it and spend it wisely yeah for sure they're there they have the, a good chunk of the nine billion dollar surplus still left and um, a lot of that most of that is used up in the different budgets now we have the governor's proposed budget the house passed a budget the senate passed a budget um, and you know honestly i mean they're not that far off right uh it, there's some differences in the details. Uh, there's a little wrinkle a couple weeks ago, the, the revenue estimating conference where they gauge mm -hmm. tax uh, collections coming in. They lowered their projections a little bit. Um, and so that complicates matters a bit. But no, I don't think we're headed for a showdown. I mean, I think the governor actually, I think she did want the budget done by Mackinac. But uh, the sense in Lansing that I got is lawmakers are a little tired maybe like yeah. they did a lot in the first five months <laughs> and getting the budget time. done by the time they got up here uh, maybe was just too heavy of a lift um so i think you know this is sort of a reset they're going to come back i think we'll see conference committees which is sort of where they wrestle this out in the next couple weeks and it'll get done in, in pretty short order i mean the devil will be in the details some people will have their feelings hurt yeah. probably yeah. um because uh you know, again, some things are different between the proposed budgets, but in principle, they're, you know, they're along the same line. So. Yeah, because it seems like Democrats have been shooting for the moon this first three months mm. uh, with all their uh, legislative priorities. It's over. And so, I don't know, what fills the vacuum? And I guess uh, it's growth and the state budget. And you wonder if they'll, you know, plan to shoot for the moon. And <laughs> I don't know. The Democratic definition of wisely is maybe a little bit different than the uh, Republican version, especially <laughs> with Republicans in minority. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. But that's just so much money. It's so much money. And the, the potential is there to help a lot of people uh, with various programs. Uh, but I don't know. Will they, will they actually try to spend it all at once? Well, and, and one, you know, look, the voters elected this Democratic majority with, with real expectations about what the outcomes would, would look like. And they've delivered on an awful lot of them in the short term. But I always say that, that the real policy outcomes come out of, of budgeting, long-term uh, priority setting. And, and this will be the first time we see really how they think um, that long-term picture should, should, should look. Um, and and I, I'm anxious to know more about it because I don't, I haven't heard a lot. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of uh, the debate, and, and I haven't heard a lot of people come out and say, he, here's something I absolutely have to have uh, in it. I also think it's interesting to, to watch the negotiations inside the party, right? I mean, as you said, Jonathan, some people's feelings are going to be hurt. They'll be Democrats uh, in, mm. in, in many cases because they're not going to get the things that they thought they could get 
because their party's in, in control. It's not a, a, a monolith. Um, uh, and so I guess we'll see where they go. What do we expect them to do after the budget? This is a question I asked a couple of uh, folks in Lansing. They've got a lot done in the first four or five months. Uh, after the budget, they do have to start governing, I guess, with a more deliberate pace and intention. Rachel, what, what are you looking forward to uh, from them after, after we get through the money? It feels that feels so far away. Yeah, um, <laughs> You're like I'm not ready for that yet. Honestly, you know, I've asked a couple of lawmakers about that because that's been on my mind too. I mean, they basically had a checklist and got it all done in five months, yeah. and we still have another year and a half. Yeah. So, um, it's been vague answers. I think some of the legislation that maybe they've wanted to or they've introduced in the past in um, previous sessions where they didn't have the majority. Maybe one chamber was all for it, and then it died in another chamber. Maybe it never really made headway because Republicans weren't liking it. Um, and that's maybe what we'll see, I think, is bringing those things forward that may not be exactly what you're thinking of, of a Democratic majority, but it, it's something that people have been wanting to do. Yeah. Um, I feel like that might be what we see. But also, I think, like we talked about, they're going to focus on big things like population, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jonathan. Um, I'll just say one thing that we might see more immediate action on is uh, was a big uh, push here from Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan yeah. um, on this yeah. split rate tax or land value tax, I believe he's calling it now. Um, but this idea of allowing uh, municipalities, uh, Detroit obviously, to um, charge different property tax rates depending on whether there's a, a, a structure or a home or vacant land. And the idea is to sort of, you know, tax speculators more so they're not just sitting on land. I'm sure you've talked about this uh, on your show in some capacity. But uh, House Speaker Joe Tate is very much on board with that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He sees it as um, uh, sort of a statewide opt-in system that local governments could choose to, to do this, but it sounds like they might have to do it through a constitutional amendment and a ballot proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, so Democrats could, um, you know, potentially, if I, I don't know where the appetite is in the Senate, but in the House, the Speaker is on board, um, could, um, you know, move that in fairly short order to kick it to the ballot for voters to decide next year. So that'll be something I'm watching. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting that you talk about people's feelings getting hurt. Uh, if, you know, this kind of flags a little bit, you know, will the after it gets introduced into the House uh, by Speaker Tate, will that momentum carry over to the Senate? And once they figure it all out, because uh, the mayor was noticeably absent from one of the uh, the executive order signing for the uh, when Whitmer announced the growth, uh, the formation of the Growth Council, huh. I guess. And you, you just wonder, you know, how they're feeling about it. Uh, and about if. There are conversations between the mayor's office and the governor's office, and I don't know, is everybody on board? Yeah, I, I mean, they've got some work to do in the legislature, no question, on this proposal. There's, there is support, uh, you know, obvious support from people like Joe Tate, who's a Detroiter, and, and I don't think there's anybody in the Detroit delegation who would, who would stand in the way of this, but you do have... Uh, you know, legislators from all kinds of places in Michigan who are going to, first of all, have to understand why this is important and why uh, we need it in cities like Detroit. Uh, But then, uh, you know, there's always this question of, uh, are we doing something for cities that we're not doing for other places? And and how do we put that in 
in context. What I hope this does actually is open up a much bigger conversation about cities and how we uh, how we manage cities in the state of Michigan. Uh, mm. I, I have said for a long time we don't do it well and we don't support them in the way that they need. Highland Park is the, the most egregious example right now. I mean, this, this struggle with a water bill that could send them into a bankruptcy. States that, that know how to invest in cities don't let them get to that point in the first place. Mm-hmm. This problem with taxes in Detroit, uh, which is tied to revenue, which is then tied to services, which is then tied to population, right? Why are we losing people in the city of Detroit? Because we can't provide the services. Uh, that we need. I'm hoping that they will start to talk about these things in that bigger picture because they have to deal with this uh, this split rate. And yeah, I think that conversation is sort of starting in Lansing already. Democrats, you know, tend to represent cities more than Republicans. So we're mm-hmm. already seeing these conversations start. But to your point, Stephen, they're difficult to get through because you've got to get it through a, a house with 110 members, uh, the majority of maybe who don't represent cities. So mm-hmm. for instance, um, right now uh, in the Senate, they're talking about a roads, uh, some extra money for roads, but that would bypass the traditional road funding formula mm-hmm. that sends a lot of money based on how many miles you have as opposed to how many people you have that mm-hmm. actually use those yep. roads. We've which had that means, fight forever. Sure. Michigan, right? So they're trying to bypass that and send more money to the big cities. Uh, Speaker Tate is part of a plan, too, for public safety that would uh, devote some sales tax to uh, local governments based on their violent crime rate, um, which, again, is probably going to mean more money for bigger cities. Logically, if you want to solve the crime problem, it does make sense to maybe spend where the problem is. Uh, but you've got to then deal with other lawmakers and say, well, why isn't my community getting more money yeah. for public safety? And the, the Gallup Center for Black uh, Voices uh, came up with their uh, poll for yeah. Metro Detroit in Detroit this week. Unbelievable. And, uh, and they're going to continue to do it. It's fantastic. And, of course, people are worried. They're leaving the city because they're worried about p- personal safety mm-hmm. and because of schools. Mm-hmm. And both of which have been, you know, schools have been underfunded to the city of Detroit, and high crime is the constant issue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, last question to Rachel and Russ. You coming back next year? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope to run that by my You didn't truckers. get scared <laughs> off by all the... All the crazy. Uh, the the lady with the big pocketbook has got uh, is right over there. <laughs> Mary Zatina, Mary our general Z- manager. Uh, if she says yes, then I'm coming. <laughs> then you're coming back. Yeah. Well, it's great to have had you guys here. It's great to have had you here on the show as well. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for our coverage here at the Mackinac Policy Conference on Mackinac Island. I'm always really privileged to come up here and talk with the business and political and philanthropic leaders, bring their message back to our listeners there in Metro Detroit. I will see you again on Monday when I get back to Detroit and come back to the air. This is 1019 WDET FM, Detroit's public radio station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again next week.